throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared Joe and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner man, punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event locked it in every Saturday at 10. The overhand is out of hand when it comes to fist of cuffs. Slide a hand on the undercard, you'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got your missing wave, feet a stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move, bob and weave. Don't lose hope against the ropes, there's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked, and go down swinging. We bringing crosses with no worship, hooks with no verses, combinations with no locks. When you feel the flurry of curtains, from scrub scraps to fight stats, relax if you want the facts, cause the best combat podcast is throwing jabs. Attention all basketball fans, CMG Sports presents the Posting Up Podcast, where Lucas Boldick, Sean Scanlon, and King Zay discuss the latest news and topics throughout the NBA. So, if you have a love for basketball, make sure you check out the Posting Up Podcast, live every Tuesday and Saturday on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Also available for download on every podcast platform. It's off the Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the Tiger? High fly ball, right field. Grossman back, track, wall, see ya! Into the second deck, a grand slam the other way for Aaron Judge, and the Yankees are pouring it on. For the latest news throughout the sports world, tune in to Sports Talk with R&J every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Welcome to Sports Talk with R&J. I am Steve Risser, along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And it, and it is game four of the NBA Finals tonight between the Suns and the Bucks. The uh, Suns won the first two games in Phoenix. The Bucks won the uh, one on Sunday night in Milwaukee. So road team has not won yet, and they always say the series doesn't start until a road team wins. Uh, so this this is a, obviously a big game for both teams. And I mean the big and I think the big question is right now is uh, is uh, do the Bucks have the momentum? Or are the Suns in control of the series? And in my opinion, I think the Bucks have the momentum going into tonight because I do think they win tonight. But I still think the Bucks, the Suns, win the series. So I'm not completely answering that question if the Bucks, if the Bucks have the momentum or if the Suns are in control. But I do think tonight, I do think the Bucks win tonight and, and even the series. But I do think the Suns still win the series. But the, uh, but I'll ask the same question to you, Justin. You might be able to answer it better. Are the Suns, are the Suns still in control, or do the Bucks have the momentum? No, I was certain on the Suns had control going in this game four, but talking to Jason a few minutes ago um, for the show, saying, you know, talking about the Bucs and how they've been so good at home with the one playoff loss and they kind of – the whole series changed against the Nets. You know, I know they had the injuries, but they've been great at home, the Bucs. And, you know, so it gives me a little bit more worry that, you know, because I, I thought the Suns were going to bounce back tonight. But now I'm a little bit on the fence about that. Um, I, I thought I'll, – I'll say – with the Suns, I thought the Suns were bounce back tonight. You know, um, I thought you know I think Booker's gonna play better than he did. You know, he's two fourteen, only had ten points, and which is very odd for him. Uh, you know, he had eight and played well, eighteen to nine. You know, 
But um, the way Giannis has been playing has been unbelievable. He's been getting whatever he wants in, in front of the hoop. And right now, I do think the Bucks are going to even this thing up tonight, two games apiece. Yeah, I think they do too. I because I, I, here's the reason why I think they are. I think obviously Giannis, who is the be- clearly the best player on the court in this series, he's been phenomenal. I mean, back to back forty point games that is ridiculous. I think obviously he's another big night, and I think that I think the I think Middleton has his best game since game one, and I think Holiday has a big game game again like he did in game three. So I think that's why they win, and I do think they contain either uh, CP3 or Booker. You know, I, because I mean CP3 and Booker are great players but they're not top 10 players and i think there's there's ways you can contain them so i think i think i think they get if one of those two guys gets contained and i don't know what kind of night deandre ayton's gonna have is he gonna play the way he did in the first two games or you're gonna play the way he played in game two you don't know what the kind of night deandre ayton's gonna have so i i personally think i i, I got the bucks winning tonight i think i think the series is even after, after after tonight yeah i think so too about 10 minutes ago i did not think so but i i do think the bucks right now um the way they've been at home I think Giannis didn't do enough to be able to get get them a um, a game four win. Um, you know, with with the Suns or with the Bucks too defensively, I, they've been doing a great job defensively on Booker in game three. You know, Drew Holiday, he's um, our Booker's shooting one for twelve when Drew Holiday's been guarding him in this series. So Drew Holiday's been doing a fantastic job on him. You know, I, I think as long as the Bucks can kind of control the pick and roll game then they should be able to, you know, do enough to be able to win the game. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So now that we both have the Bucks winning tonight, we'll go to our keys to the game for both teams. And I'll start with the team that's leading the series, and that's the Phoenix Suns. And uh, what the Phoenix Suns need to do for me to win the game is they need, obviously, they need Booker and CP3 to get on, on track, CP3 to get back on track. That's the number one key for them to for them to win this game. Number two they need to shoot the ball well from three-point range, like they did in game two. You know, going 20 for 40 from three-point range, shooting 50% from three-point range. That was the biggest reason why they won game two. And number three, they need Aiton to be good. I mean, Aiton was good in game uh, – Aiton was good in uh, in game three, but the problem was Booker and CP3 weren't, so that's why they lost. If Aiton's good, I thought three of these things happen. I think there's a really, really good chance that the Suns winning. The problem is I, I re- you really can't count on – especially on the road – you really can't count on either of these three things happening. You can't count on Booker or CP3 getting back on track. You can't count on them shooting the ball well from three because they didn't in game three. And you can't count on Aiton being good. So you can't count on either of the three three of these things being happening, any of these three things happening. But those are my keys to a Suns victory tonight. Justin, what are your keys for the Suns? My three keys to the Suns tonight is I think the ball movement is key. I think for the when Phoenix, when everybody's involved in the game plan and not, you know, obviously Booker always gets his points. Usually Aiden's up there too. But when they get everybody involved, you know, um, they only had uh, 16 assists the other night. Again, they've been averaging about 23 in the playoffs and wins. So, and I thought too, when they started trailing, I thought they got too, um, too, too hero ball like. And I thought guys were trying to ice. So I thought there's too much of that. And they're trying to cut a 15 point lead into one shot. I think for the Suns, you just got to chip away at a time, get everybody involved. And I, you know, doing that ball movement. Key number two is, Booker's got to get back on track. I think he's been taking a little bit too many jumpers. I know with the nose injury, I, I know he's been kind of a little bit less aggressive. Um, but for him, I think they do need him to be able to attack the basket and kind of give that second element out there, you know, because it makes him so much tougher to guard. So I think for Booker, don't settle um, for, you know, 
don't settle for jumpers every time. You know, try to attack the basket. And my third one is um, Mikel um, Bridges. Is I think he's the X factor for this team because in the 14 wins this in the postseason this year, he's averaging 13 points a game, and their five losses, he's only averaging six points a game. So I, I think Bridges is the X factor. If he can get into double digits tonight, I think you know I think the Suns um, pull out the victory. And that's a really good point because Markel Bridges had 27 points in game two. So that's a really good point there. He's and that's good. And I, and I didn't know that he was he's been such an X factor for the Suns in the playoffs. So that's big. So yeah, that's definitely big. If he has a big game, I I think the Suns do have a good chance of winning. Now we go over to the Bucks and we and I look we, we and we talk about their keys. First for me, my number one key for the Bucks is Holiday and Middleton have to be good. They really, I mean, they, Middleton was good in Game Three. It wasn't great, but they have to be good. For, for, they have to be good. Both of them have to be good. Holiday was good in Game Three. Uh, Middleton was really good in Game One. wasn't good in Game Two. He was pretty good in Game Three. So they both have to be good because you know Giannis is going to score at least thirty points. That's that's a given. Giannis is going to is going to be good. Yeah, that's a given. He's he's clearly the best player on the floor in the series. He's he's going to be he's going to be good. That's th- th- that's a given. So Holiday and Middleton need need to be good. Second is. They need to start. They need to start the game scoring the paint, just like they did in Game Three, and then start to you know start to shoot threes. Start to shoot threes once they have success uh, scoring inside. Then start shooting threes because then the defense will have to respect their inside game that they'll able to they'll be able to get open looks. Don't start the game shooting threes, but just make make the defense respect your inside game first, and then shoot threes, just like they did in Game Three. The third key is. Contain Booker and CP3 like they did in Game Three, and I think I think all these things are doable, and that's why I think the Bucks win this game. I, I mean, the one thing I don't, I'm a little, I don't trust the most. The, tr- the, the, the one thing I don't trust though is is that Holiday and Middleton will both be good. That's the one thing I'm a little bit iffy on, but I do think all three of these things the Bucks can do, and that's why I think at home. That's why. That's why, and I've said this over, over the last ten minutes. That's why I think the Bucks win this game and even the series. Justin, what are your keys for the Bucks? My three keys for the Bucks tonight is continue to get Giannis. You know, feed him inside the restricted arc. He's twenty six or twenty in the series inside that that arc. I know he's he's at times he's had his problems finishing around the rim, but this series he's been great. He needs to continue to just score around the rim. Um, you know, obviously, yes, he's going to get his thirty, but you know, if he can be efficient like that and the Bucks. I like the Bucks chances a lot better if you can say that efficient number two for me it's kind of the same we do with the supporting cast they you know even if they can't get a huge scoring output from me you know outside of like a holiday or Middleton you know like a Brooke Lopez a Bobby Portis a Pat Hattington you know if they can just be serviceable defensively if they can get some big rebounds then I you know the Bucks have a nice shot because the Bucks too offensively. Um, they had 20 second chance points in game in game three. They were great in the offensive glass. So Lopez and Portis, Bobby Portis can dominate down there again. Um, you know, Bucks do have you know have a good shot in this game, and then also limiting Booker. Um, look, game three, yeah, he struggled. I expect Devin Booker to play a lot better tonight. I as I mentioned, you know, a few minutes ago. He's showing that Drew Holiday. He's one for 12 in the series. Drew Holiday's done a great job locking him up. I thought Booker missed some shots in game three, too, that he usually hits. For whatever reason, they just didn't fall. If they can limit Booker, I don't think he's going to get 10 points again. I, he's going to be around 20, but as long as he does not go for 30, 40, you know, 30, 35 points tonight, then the Bucs have, um, have a really good chance of winning this game. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you hit it right on the head with Giannis. 
he's just got to take the ball to the basket. He just the thing about him is he's not a three point shooter. Yes, is that why he's not a? Is, he, is that why he's not as good of a player as Durant or LeBron or Curry or uh, or or Curry? Yes, but in this series, he doesn't have to be that kind of guy. He's clearly the best player on the floor in the series. So he just has to do what he does best, and if he does what he does best. He 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 could put, he's going to put the Bucks in a in a good position to win this series. So that's the thing. He just has to do what he does best. Yeah, uh, honestly, he can't be shooting threes. He just has to get uh, take the ball to the basket. And that that was a really good point you made there. Just for Giannis, just take the ball to the hoop. Absolutely, yeah. Because that's when yeah he's at his best. And they don't you know, Aiden's a really good center, but he's not. Giannis has a little bit too much athletically for him, and that that's kind of giving him trouble. So yeah, you know, take 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 the advantage in the matchup, and, and you know, again, and then too, he was great at the line as well. He's thirteen for seventeen. You know, he's great inside. He's great drawing fouls. You know, Giannis got to continue to do that, and because yeah, he, he you know, just said it. He obviously the best player in the series right now, and he's got to take over. This is this is his time to shine, and he's been great so far, and I expect him to be great again in Game Four. Yeah, I, I I completely agree with you there. I completely I completely agree with you there. So we'll see what happens. You know, game four of the NBA Finals, huge game tonight. If the Suns win, they win the series. I think they win it in five. If the Bucks win tonight, I think it's going to be a long series. I think it could go. It's going to go at least six. It may even go seven games if the Bucks win tonight. So a very very crucial game four between these two teams tonight. But we got to talk about some other NBA news, and that's with Kawhi Leonard as he had successful surgery on his partially torn ACL, but he's going to be out. There's no timetable for his return. He's going to be out for at least nine months, and that's really going to hurt the Clippers, especially in the competitive Western Conference next year. If you look at the Lakers with uh, with LeBron and AD, you look at obviously what the Suns are doing. The Suns are doing this year. You look at what the Jazz did this year. You look at the Nuggets; they get Jamal Murray back, and uh, you look at the Mavericks with Luka Doncic. Uh, for me, if if they have to play a season without Kawhi, to me, I don't think they are. It's a stretch to say they're a top five team in the Western Conference. They might be the five seed, but I don't think with Paul George being their best player that they're, they're a top five team in the Western Conference with uh, with Kawhi out. Absolutely, I think they're the fourth best team in the division because you got the Lakers, you got the Warriors, you got the, the Warriors, Suns. and say the Warriors get Clay back. Yes, yeah. good point there. So they're probably going to be the fourth best team in their division next year. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, they may be a fringe, you know, depending on what they do this offseason, they probably are a fringe playoff team. I would definitely think if this sounds like the play-in thing stays, I would, I, they'd absolutely get at least a spot in the playing game. But, yeah, I, they're not contenders next year, you know, with just Paul George. I just it's just not going to be enough. It's a you know it's a tough break for the Clippers and Kawhi Leonard. Um, but yeah, they're they, you know it's going to be kind of another wasted year for the Clippers and trying to get their first title. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, we saw this before with the Spurs. We we saw this before when when he was with the uh, with when he was with the Spurs. I mean, you know he, he got hurt, he got hurt there too. The big question is going to be is is will Kawhi be the same player? When he comes back, he's probably gonna be out for the. He might be out for the entire season next year. Will he be the same player when he comes back in twenty in uh in twenty twenty two twenty twenty three? It's a tough question to answer right now. It's always tough. You know, you never know how guys kind of respond after an ACL injury, especially in basketball. It's so tough. You know, obviously, you know. Again, we're you know we're gonna find out about Jamal Murray. It's the second time he's torn his ACL. You know, it, it's always it's always a tough question because again Kawhi's getting up you know he's going to be 30 31 you know so he's getting to that age where he's kind of almost out of his prime pretty much so 
you hope he comes back as normal, but it's a tough question right now to to say, you know, um, if he's if he's going to be the same player when he comes back. Yeah, as you as you remember, he injured his ankle in Game One of the Conference Finals in 2017 when the Spurs were winning, and and obviously that led him. And he, he he missed most of the 2017-2018 season. He ends up getting traded to Toronto, wins a championship. Uh, the last two years with the Clippers, I mean, I mean, the last year obviously 2020 was a disappointment, losing in the conference semis to the Nuggets. This year, you never know what would have happened if Kawhi would have stayed healthy. I mean, they very easily could be here playing the Bucks in the NBA Finals. So it's tough for Kawhi, and we'll see what ends up happening there. But we'll wrap up our NBA talk talking about uh, Ben Simmons and uh, the Sixers are now open to trading Ben Simmons, and I think this is a good move. They got to get rid of him. I mean, I don't. But the problem is, I don't know how much value you're going to get. But at this point, I feel like you just got to get rid of him. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's best for both parties. Um, of what I've heard, because I guess the Kings have been players in this. Um, they want out all-star caliber players. The Sixers do, and I, I like right before we went on the air, the Kings told them uh De'Aaron Fox is off limits so they they want all star caliber I mean, players I would take De'Aaron Fox any day over Ben Simmons oh, oh yes yes I am very very happy that they will not be trading De'Aaron Fox for him I was worried there for a little bit about that but so they they want I don't know if you're gonna get a guy like that for Ben Simmons I, I really I don't know what team would um give up another all-star for Ben Simmons just because you know Again, all of his, you know, all of his flaws are fixable. They're very fixable. The thing is, because it's been something since college, he just hasn't been able to do it. It's like he just hasn't, you know. And I don't know what he does in the off. So I don't want to come on and say, you know, he just he doesn't work on it because I, I bet he does, but it just hasn't shown that. It doesn't look like he really has worked on it because they're all fixable mistakes. They really are. It doesn't really take a ton. You know, to, to be able to get a jump shot, to hit free throws, to, you know, um, you know, confidence late in the game. Again, that's, you know, maybe a little bit different of an issue. But for the shooting wise, it, it gets a very fixable thing. It, you know, you could fix that in offseason. You can, but is he ever going to fix it? That's the question. We've been talking about this for three or four years now. You know, when he came into the league, he won Rookie of the Year after the uh, when he won Rookie of the Year in two in two thousand eighteen. We we're talking about, oh, if this guy ever gets a three point shot or a jump shot, he's going to be great. He's going to be amazing. But he's never gotten that jump shot, and the guy's not even close to a top twenty five player in the league. Absolutely, and that's it's yeah, it's been the problem. It's been the problem since college, and it, again, it just yeah, at some point you got to you know you got to go all right. You, you got to be able to um, able to do, you know, be that top tier player. You got to be able to do it. And again, I think the Sixers are going to probably have to hire most of his salary because I don't know what other team right now. We got a we got a comment. For, we got a comment from Jace. He needs to go to the Warriors. He'll have no pressure to shoot with Clay and Curry, and he'll be a, and and he'll be a facilitator and a defensive stud. Yeah, that'll be if Warriors would be a good fit. Warriors would be a really good fit there. Absolutely. You know, you know, he 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 could penetrate to the basket. He can get the ball to Steph Curry. Yeah, Warriors would be a good fit. He 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 can't be uh, without with if he can't develop a jump shot, he definitely can't be your best player. And I don't think he could be your second best player either. He's, he, I mean, he really the the uh, really if you want to win a championship, he's probably got to be your third best player. Absolutely, I definitely agree with you. Cause, yeah, they had him beat, and, and you know, Tobias Harris is a good player, but he just wasn't. You know, he's not a star. He just a little bit too inconsistent. Um, yeah, I think the awards be a great great uh, spot for him. Play that guard, you know. To be a facilitator with with Curry and, and Clay, and it's something too. When he drives, you're gonna have to put a guy. You you may have to you know double team on a drive, and 
or you, and then that could open up you know shots for those for Curry or Thompson or again he's going to take anybody the whole one on one pretty much so yeah I think that'd be a really really good spot for is Golden State and they have some assets too to you know trade you know if they really wanted to do it absolutely 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 so we'll see what ends up happening with Ben Simmons but we got to get to baseball we got a lot of baseball to talk about we obviously we got all we had all-star weekend we had the all we had the all-star game last night the home run derby on Monday the Yanks and Sox the Yanks were struggling the Sox still in first place big injury from this from a star player but before we talk about all before we talk about all that we got a promo from Clovercrest Media Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast keys to the city I crossed up by Kobe, well, floated Shaq, and then Shaq goes like this, and the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on, fun. But I didn't make my I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clover Quest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. Looking for a casual baseball podcast to listen to? Well, Baseball with the Bard, presented by Clovercrest Media, has just what you're looking for. Tyler Bard and Noah Cross cover a wide range of happenings in the MLB and then dive into a deep focus on the Red Sox and Yankees. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for your weekly dose of Baseball with the Bard. That is Keys of the City and Baseball with the Bard. You're going to get plenty of baseball talk with both shows. Obviously, Keys of the City, uh, they were on yesterday talking uh, talking All-Star game and, and, the, and the Yankee struggles. Uh, and they'll, they'll probably be back Friday talk, previewing the Yankee-Red Sox series. And then Baseball with the Bard, Sunday at 11, you know, talking Yankees and Red Sox. So you'll get plenty of baseball talk on both those both those two shows. And, and before we get to the struggles of the Yankees, uh, we're going to talk about the All Star Weekend and last night in the in the All Star in the All Star Game and, uh, and the thing about the All Star Game over the last couple of years it's it's in baseball it's kind of lost it's it's kind of gotten you know it's lost its excitement I mean last night it, you know the beginnings always was always exciting I'd say the, the best moment of it was for me was two 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 things that stood out to me was watching Otani face Tatis Jr. because you got two young studs in the game facing each other. And Guerrero's home run, hitting that ball 478 feet last night. Last night, and that led to an AL win. The AL beat the NL 5-2. Guerrero was the MVP of the All Star Game, the youngest player to become the MVP of the All Star Game. So, you know, I think obviously the All Star Game. I feel like it's it's lost its its way a little bit. I think back in the day it was a really huge event because the American League and National League never played those teams those teams never played against each other i think with interleague play it's kind of it's kind of lost it's lost it's kind of lost its juice and uh even with the home field advantage thing that really didn't help it either and now it's just pretty much a game i like when you know fox has the as i'm talking to the players during the game but pretty much it's just an exhibition game which doesn't get great ratings anymore and and uh i mean it was fun to watch otani it was fun to watch Guerrero hit that home run but overall it was a it was. It was. I thought. I thought the All Star game. I thought it was okay. What were your, What were your takeaways from the All Star game? Yeah. Yeah. Also, it, it's kind of. It is tough. You know, it's great to see like Black Rail. Yeah, it's great to see Tatis versus Otani go at it. You know, but I. I think too, it's a little bit too pitcher dominant. And I know again that's going to happen because you have the best pitchers in the world going against the best batters. And you know, again, you're lucky to go three out of you know three out of ten times to get a hit. So. I think it's somewhat of the issue too. I, I think it kind of makes it boring. At, but yeah, you know, again, I wasn't around. I didn't, you know, before the interleague. So 
And I, that's what I always hear people say is it was a lot more interesting in the All-Star game because it, you don't get to see those legends play against each other in, in and the thing, league. And the thing was, in those days, the two leagues hate each other. The American League and National League hate each other. You know with the, with the different rules still now, with the pitcher hitting in the National League and the pitcher not hitting in the American League. Those two leagues, they had two different offices. Now they have one league office. Back in those days, those two leagues, they had two different league offices. So that was important. That was bragging rights over the other league. If you won that game, it was bragging rights over the, over the other league. Now with interleague play, it doesn't really mean as much anymore. It doesn't mean that much. You know, Winning that game really doesn't mean that much anymore. Absolutely. And yeah, you know, it, it really doesn't. It's just another all-star game. And that's kind of, I think it's a thing with all four pro sports. It just, it's kind of, it's tough. It's tough to kind of get in, into any all-star game. It just, you know, yeah, it's an exhibition game. It really, it's cool to see all the stars all on one team to play against each other, but it's something that kind of happens every year too. Like we're probably going to see the same core that was in it this year, next year. Like it's kind of, yeah. So it kind of gets repetitive and yeah, it, you know, it obviously, you know, great for Vlad, it, you know, I guess I'm somebody cause I'm a Yankee fan. I do cheer for the American league, but it's not like I sit there like, you know, so excited. I guess I, you know, they win great. They lose, you know, I don't really care, but yeah, you know, it, it it's something definitely tough to get into. And I think too, you know, with all with everything now too, and nowadays all the technology and all that, it's like we can see all these guys too every night. It's not you know when back in the day when it's like you, you know you may only see some of the greats play once a year. You know? Yeah, that, yeah, that's a great point. Like back in the early '90s, you probably never saw like say say you're a Yankee fan, you never saw Ozzy Smith play for the Cardinals. Really, the one time you would see Ozzy Smith play for the Cardinals was in the All Star game. Now with the technology we have, with the highlights and stuff. I mean, we're seeing these guys play all the time. The extra innings package, we're seeing these guys play all the time. And there's more games televised. Uh, there's more games on TV than there ever have been. So, yeah, we're seeing these guys play all the time. You're, I mean, back in the day, you would never see these guys play. So, yeah, it, the All-Star game has definitely lost its juice. It really has. Yeah, absolutely. It, it has. And, I, I, you know, again, I probably say this about all four pro sports. Maybe just get rid of the All-Star game and just give them a few days off. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I, you exactly. know. I'd rather just do that. Exactly. And I mean, this for years, this was the best All-Star game, the All-Star game I was the most exciting about. But over the last five or ten years, I've definitely lost interest in this game. Absolutely. I'm with you there. It's just, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I watch, watch it, but I watch yeah, it, but I don't watch it as intently as I used to. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I sit there and watch it. But, yeah, I you know, I, yeah, I'm not, like, intently. I'm not really cheering for anybody. I guess I'm cheering for the Yankees that are in it. You know, I guess I was cheering for Vlad Guerrero last night. Like, you know, but, yeah, it just, you know, you get to see the matchup once or twice. Obviously, as we mentioned, Otani versus Tatis. That's great. But the Padres and Angels are playing each other this year. So, it's like we may get to see that again, you know. So, yeah, it's just it, – it's tough to watch. And that's definitely something I've lost interest in the last few years. Yes, yes. So, we'll talk about the home run derby, too. And, and, and again, there, I think well, number one, great story with Trey Mancini for what he's came back from to get to the finals of the home run derby. That was a great story. It was a great to have him in it. Obviously, Pete Alonso, he loves this event. He wins it again. I mean, he might be the king of the home run derby. He might be doing this every year. But what I what, what, what everyone wanted to see was Otani put on a show and make a deep run. Yes, he was in that swing off against Juan Soto, but he didn't make a deep run. So that kind of that that was kind of the home run derby was kind of a bust because. What everybody wanted to see was Otani, you know, put the ball in those right field seats in Coors Field, and he really was, and he got knocked out in the first round. Yeah, you know, yeah, and I think he uh, used a little bit too much energy there for, you know, um, but yeah, he got off to the really slow start. He kind of figured it out because he's a guy that never takes batting practice. Um, 
you know, so yeah, I, you know, um, that was obviously, I know that kind of probably hurt the ratings after Watani went out there um, and lost in the first round. But yeah, obviously Trey Mancini was a great story. Um, I, I was hoping he was going to win it. That was going to be something really cool to see, but he just ran into an absolute monster, Pete Alonso. And yeah, I, Pete Alonso could win this thing for the next 15, 20. It's just funny. He just sits out there and he just, you know, um, nodding his head. Like he's, he's just a goofball out there and he's, He's towering 35 home runs at four minutes, which is really, really impressive. Um, you know, it, it, that's still fun to watch, you know, the home, home the home run derby. Um, but, like, it, yeah, that's going to be P. Alonzo's contest until he doesn't want it anymore. Um, you know, obviously we saw a lot of, you know, good stars. I'm just kind of hoping, you know, maybe Story make a little bit of a run. Um, I, I thought Gal was going to win it, but he made a nice comeback. It was cool to see, you know, um, that Soto versus Otani round was great. That's kind of the swing off. Um, and even like Salvador Perez, I, I, I didn't really think he was going to hit 28 home runs. I thought he's going to be more towards 20, but he kind of gave Pete a run for the money. He had like the second most home runs in the, uh, in a first round, you know, out, you know, output and he, you know, got eliminated. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, so that was the All Star Game, the Home Run Derby. Uh, always, always, always fun. It, it, it's lost a little bit of its juice, but it is always fun to watch. But we got to get to uh, the Yankees, and it just continues. It just continues with this team. And you, and you thought things were going to be different. I mean, they uh, they won those. They won. They won that last game against the Mets on July fourth, second game of the doubleheader. Then they uh, they win those two games against Seattle. They take two out of three in Seattle win the first two in Houston and probably had their best win of the year on Saturday. Garrett Cole was phenomenal. 129 pitches, shutting out the Houston Astros, the number one lineup in baseball. He shut out. He was absolutely phenomenal. And I loved when he told Aaron Boone, get off the field, get off the field. Let me finish my game. That was my game. Let me finish it. And he did did an outstanding job winning that game. He's too good for this team. Garrett Cole's just too good for this team. And uh, but then Sunday, and you thought thought it was going to be a sweep. Gary Sanchez at that home run in the eighth. You're thinking it's over, but you go to the ninth inning. They start with Herman. He gives up. He, 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 he guys get on base, and then Chad Green completely blows the game. Gives up that three run homer to Jose Altuve, and and this is just the story of the season. This is this this is the second time the Yankees have blown a lead. They had they had, a, they had an eight four lead against the Angels going into the ninth uh, uh, a couple weeks ago. Then they have a seven to. Seven to two league going to the ninth. They lose eight to seven. A absolutely pathetic to loss. A terrible loss for this team. It's funny they had their best win of the season and their worst loss of the season back to back. I mean, the Angels' loss was their worst loss before Sunday, but it's just the story of this season. And, and, and it all comes down to really not right now, not having a closer, not having a closer. I mean, I mean, at this point, they should just Chapman just just have Chapman be the closer. I know he struggled. Let him get let him get through it and just have Boone just have him be the closer. But this is why Boone should be fired. He should have just been the closer from the beginning. Instead of a, uh, instead of a uh, uh, playing around with Ch- Chad Green, he should just stay the Chapman should just stay the closer. And I said that last week. He should just stay the closer. It's just, it's just, it's absolutely, it's absolutely ridiculous. The offense is just pretty much everyone. Even though Judge was an All Star, he's not been great this year. Stanton hasn't been great this year. Really, everyone's underperformed offensively for this team. Really, the one bright spot was the guy who didn't want to come off the mound on on Saturday, and that was Garrett Cole. The rest of the team have just the, the rest of the team has underperformed. Garrett Cole is too good to be a Yankee. He signed with the wrong team. I mean, if he say imagine if he signs with the Astros, 
that's clearly the best. That's probably that, that's clearly the, probably the best team in baseball if he signs with the Astros. Garrett Cole signed. I think Garrett Cole signed with the wrong signed with the wrong team. And right now, I don't see this team making the playoffs at all. No, I'm with you. I think that wasn't the third team, the mystery team, the the Dodgers that were like in on him. But I think they went only seven or eight years, I believe. Yeah, like yeah. he very possibly could have joined that Do- yeah. Dodgers rotation. Um, that that was great Saturday night. The hundred. I, I don't know the. I don't know the next time we're gonna see a pitcher go out there throw a hundred nine. That was pitches. That, that was so there. old school. But he had to save the season. He had to stay out he there did. because <laughs> he had chat. You have Chapman who has no confidence, and Green probably. You saw Green on Sunday. He was probably going to blow that game. He had to stay out yeah. there. He was their best option, throwing 129 pitches. He was their best option. Yeah, and, you know, and that's great by Cole, but that just shows the, the the holes that the Yankees have at the moment that they just don't have any trust in anybody. I I was really scared Cole was going to blow out his, his elbow out there. You know, I, I was more scared of that than them to lose the game. Yeah, because he is their he's the best thing about this team right now. Um, again, again. This team would be absolutely lost without him. And I and last week, last Wednesday, I was very worried going to start Saturday night. I thought the first time at the Astros, they they got a lot of contact on him, and he pitched phenomenal. And I wasn't, I was expecting him to go back there and pitch well. I was not expecting that. And and but was, the thing was that the previous two starts he pitched, he was not good against the Red Sox. He was not good against the Mets. I didn't think he was going to be good against the Astros, but he proved us all wrong. Pitched a phenomenal game. And, you know, I was heading home from the – I went to the Sox-Phillies game on Saturday, so I was heading home from that. And uh, I, I remember hearing John Sterling's call. He does not want to get off – he's telling Aaron Boone, get off the field. I love that he told Aaron Boone to get off the field because Boone has no business taking him out of that game. Yeah, no, he didn't. He, he did not. And – uh you know that it was it was incredible. It, it was like he positioned himself on the mound a lot closer to first base, and I guess I shouldn't be shocked that he's making an adjustment like that because he's so smart. And I know the the press conference we we've, we've heard about the sticky stuff hasn't gone over well, but if you listen to any other con- press conference he does, he's so smart and he knows the game and he knows pitching. You know, down to like a you know, down to a T. So I wasn't shocked. And you know, I, I guess I wasn't too shocked about it, um, but yeah, this team would be absolutely lost. And again, I, I think Boone—I don't think Boone ever planned to take him out. I think Boone went out there just to go light a fire into him and give him another minute to, to kind of you know recharge. I, I think Boone just wanted to go light another fire, just one more fire under him, and it, it worked. But um, yeah, you know, again, yeah. Then Sunday, I. I luckily turned it off right when out. Tuve stepped up. I was like, I've seen the storybook ending. You knew it. You knew it. You knew it. You knew it. Yeah. Again, it's it's been their season. I was like, this is the you know walk off home run. It's just in in you know look, they went four and two on the West Coast, which again looks good, but again, Logan Gilbert two hit two hits them. They didn't show up Thursday afternoon. Sunday they should have won. They really could have gone six and all on this road trip. They really could have. I mean, I, I mean, I wouldn't give Thursday was kind of a getaway day game, you know. Yeah, I, I kind of had a feeling they were going to lose that one, but they, they, yeah, they, they, there's no way they should have lost the game on Sunday at at, at at all, at all. No, they shouldn't. And you would have been six. I knew seven back of daily, which yeah, it's still a lot, but you have the Red Sox eight times the next two weekends. It's, if you can, you know, beat them a few times, you can start maybe chipping away a bit. But again, now they're eight back again. It's just it's the same old team, and uh, you know. Um, actually, because I did the All-Star game last night, and they were talking to Buster only, and he said the Yankees are going to make it over the next week. 
He didn't say who. He didn't say I've, – I've been hearing Joey Gallo's name. Yeah, um, I saw that. I saw the Joey Gallo report. I saw that. Before. I wouldn't mind. Now, he's another strikeout or nothing guy, but it left power. Needs somebody to hit. This team needs yeah. someone to hit. I mean, they're, they're not – this team is 23rd in run score. They need somebody to hit. So, I, I'd take it. I would love to see Joey Gallo at Yankee Stadium. With that short porch and with the Deadpool he has – that that'd be fun to watch. So I would not be opposed to it. You know, I'd rather have another contact guy. But if it's somebody like Joey Gallo, he's got great discipline. He walks a lot. He strikes out a lot, but he doesn't swing outside the strike zone. So we'll see. But yeah, it's just the same old. It's just the same old Yankee story. And I agree. They just just throw Chapman. Just figure out the problems right at the moment. You know, I, again, yeah, it's not like this team's really going anywhere right now. So just. You know, just just ride with Chapman, figure this thing out, and I guess hope hope for the best. I agree. I agree. I agree. The one thing that's going to save the Yankees is 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 probably going to end up being their starting pitching because they're hoping to get Severino back by August and Kluber back by September. But I think it's going to be too late for Kluber. I think I think by the time they get Kluber back, they're going to be out of this thing because because the offense I don't trust at all. I really don't. I don't trust the offense at all. They they've not been good all year. And then this bullpen. I don't think Boone's going to do the right thing with Chapman. I think he's going to continue to, you know, you know, if Chapman blows a game, he's going to put him down, not, 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 and not have him be the closer. I mean, Britain can't stay healthy. You don't trust Chad Green as the closer, so they're just. I just don't trust that Boone's going to do the right thing with the bullpen or this offense. The only saving grace is, is if they could somehow be in it come September and they can get Kluber, Severino, and Cole, they might have a chance. But I just don't see that happening at all. Yeah, I don't either. But yeah, it's it's the starting pitching, you know. Again, hopefully, yeah, Sevy come back and be somewhat like Sevy. But it's been two and a half years since we've really seen him, so it, you know that's going to be tough. But yeah, you know, Kluber's not going to, you know, you wonder if Kluber kind of just shuts down if it's September. Maybe he makes a start or two to kind of show teams for next off season. But yeah, it's it's kind of up to right now. Cole, you know, Montgomery has not been bad. It's like. You know, Montgomery hasn't been terrible. The problem is he just nibbled because he cannot blow a fastball by anybody. So Montgomery hasn't been terrible. Um, I, I thought he pitched well against Seattle after after those first two innings. He was he was great. So I have some confidence in Montgomery, but yeah, outside of that, it's just you know. And then Cole, uh, Cole's been great as we know. But yeah, I just you know. What are you gonna do? Are you just gonna leave Chapman in the bullpen the rest of it and just pitch him when he's ten? You know, you're paying him sixteen million dollars a year. You don't really want him just to pitch mop up duty. I was hoping he wasn't go in last night, and then maybe he strolled a bit and Kyle Snyder went out, the pitching coach, and maybe you know said something or, or maybe saw something in, in Chapman that could have helped him. You know, or like maybe the catcher in Zazino or something. Like I, I was kind of hoping he would go in there. Maybe somebody would have figured it figured something out, but. Um, yeah, I just I just don't know what you're really gonna do with Chapman. You you gotta put him as your closer. You're paying him sixty million dollars to, to close out games. You can't really. You gotta have some confidence in him. That you know, I think it makes it worse if Boone just kind of keeps going to other guys. I just think that's gonna make the problem worse. I really do. Absolutely, absolutely. I think you just stick with Chapman as a closer. So we'll go on to the Red Sox, who right now don't have the best record. They're tied with the best record in the American League at 55 and 36. They've lost four of five. And I think this Red Sox team, to me, is coming down to earth a little bit. I think this 
you know, obviously the expectations were not that high with the Red Sox going to the season. They've definitely exceeded them. I mean, Nathan Evaldi's had a good year. He was an all-star. I mean, their, their offense has been top five in the game with uh, with J.D., uh, Bogarts, and Devers. You got Verdugo and Renfro having good years, too. So it's definitely been a surprise team. But I feel like this team is coming down to earth a little bit, losing four or five. I, I went to the game on Saturday against the Phillies. They lost uh, 11-2. I mean, there was a 3-2 game going to the eighth. The Phillies yeah. broke the game. Did you work that game? Yeah, I worked that game. Yeah, the Phillies broke the game open in the in the eighth inning. I mean, they gave up eight they gave up eight runs. The Sox gave up eight runs in the eighth inning, but then the Sox end up losing on with, without Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola didn't yeah. pitch. They end up losing on a end up losing on Sunday two. They lose two to the Phillies. That's two out of three at home to the Phillies. They lose two out of three to the Angels. And uh, if you look at the way they played against the good teams in the American League, they lost five out of seven to the Astros. They split in September and in, in uh, April to the White Sox. In my opinion, right now. The Red Sox, it's questionable if they're the best team in the AL East. We'll find that out because they got a bunch of games against teams in the AL East. They got eight games with the Yankees, uh, six games with the Blue, seven games with the Blue Jays, and then three games at the end of the month with the Rays. So we'll really find out if they're the best team in the AL East after this month. But in my opinion, I don't think they're the best team in the American League. And I don't even think they're the second best team in the American League. I think the White Sox are better, and I think the Astros are better. I think a big reason why is the starting pitching. I just don't think the Red Sox starting pitching is good enough, and I don't think the depth in their bullpen, as we saw on Saturday, giving up those eight runs in the eighth inning, the depth in their bullpen. I like uh, Whitlock, Whitlock, uh, Barnes. Barnes has been good, not great. He's blown some saves. Uh, Barnes and Whitlock and Adovino have been good. I think the depth in the bullpen is a little bit of a question. I think the rotation is their biggest issue right now. They got to do something at the trade deadline if they want to get to the World Series. Yeah, and to, to the starting pitcher, why? Well, Chris Sale is supposed to be making some rehab starts, very probably maybe starting this weekend or, or next week. With um, I think most likely Portland is going to be. So they they're probably going to get him back at the beginning of or beginning of August. Tanner Houck, Tuesday, it started throwing some rehab assignments. So you're going to get Tanner Houck back as well has been good. So they're going to add two guys there because, yeah, Perez Perez was not good again the other day. You know, um, Pavetta gave up, I think, three or four on um, Sunday. He gave up a big three-run shot to Therese. He wasn't great. You know, if all these been good, Richard said struggle. It sounds like Richard won't sail or Houck get back up here. Garrett Richards is probably going to be the bullpen. He's so he's you know, so he's, he's so he's going to be the guy out. So Perez, probably, uh, yeah. So Perez, Evaldi, like uh, e- uh, Perez, Evaldi, Pavetta, and Erod are going to stay in the rotation. Yeah, more more than likely is what kind of sounds like because Richard doesn't have any options, so they can't really go down AAA and try to go fix them. So yeah, mostly that's going to be it. I would think how is going to be in the mix. They may go to six man rotation. Um, you know, starting maybe in August. Or even maybe maybe at the end of this month because I don't think they have an off day again until August, I don't think. Um, so, yeah, the rotation's an issue. I guess they're probably going to try to add one more bridge guy to get the Barnes. I've heard the Greg Kimbrell rumors to come back. That would be a good one. If they can get Kimbrell and Barnes together, that would be really, really good in that in that bullpen because they're going to have to make moves. This team will have, has to make moves. If they want to beat the White Sox – and they want to beat the, and they want to beat the uh, White Sox or the Astros. They're going to have to make moves because uh, because th- those teams are better than the. Re- I mean, yeah. did we expect the Red Sox to be in this conversation for the season? No, but obviously those teams are better than the Red Sox right now. Yeah, absolutely. Right now they yeah I put them third. I very close with the White Sox, but obviously I think the Astros are the best team. You know that we, we saw this lineup. You know I know they've been banged up with Bregman and Correa, but they they should be coming back soon. Obviously, the White Sox have been good. I don't know how the Yankees want the White Sox, but look, Lance Lynn, Carlos Rendon. You know, yeah, it's, even, it's, it's, 
it, yeah, it, it, it's been weird. What were you going to say again? I was going to say, like, even Giolito, he's been better lately, but it's not like he's been the dominant guy we all thought he was going to be at the beginning of the year. You know, so with that rotation, they've been good. So, yeah, I put the Red Sox through. That line has been, that line has been great, but it, it's the pitching. If You know, if one night their lineup gets shut down, they're in trouble because they don't really have – Evaldi's kind of been the stopper, but as we know with Evaldi – there's times he's going to give up you, four or five you, runs. You can't be a championship team and have Nathan Nathan Evaldi's race. No, and that's the problem. That's why they're hoping because they're not. I don't think they're going to go out and get it started. Chris Sale's going to be that guy to get the deadline. It, it sounds like you know they may maybe go get a you know like maybe you know not like a top end of the rotation guy, maybe a smaller piece, but Sale's going to be the guy. You know, the, the, Sale's going to kind of be counted on as the B to be what he is, that ace. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how he does come back from Tommy John because it's going to be a year and a half, two years since we've seen Chris Sale back on the mound. So it'll be interesting. But, yeah, you know, that the pitching, it's going to hold the rest. It may hold the Red Sox back. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The funny thing about the Red Sox and the Yankees is the Yankees actually play the good teams well. Like, they've beaten the Astros four to six. They swept, they swept the – they swept the White Sox, so they're actually seven and two against the Astros and the White Sox. The Red Sox haven't played as well against the good teams, but they've been. But the big thing with the Red Sox is they've been able to play well inside the division. The Yankees have been terrible inside the division. That's a big reason why those teams are where are both are both where they are. Both teams are where they are right now. Absolutely, the Yankees. Yeah, they're they're always great against division. They're seventeen and fourteen this year. You know, like they've already lost the Orioles three or four times. You know, again, they haven't beaten the Sox. They've beaten the Rays. What? three or four times. They've been you know, so like, bad against the Sox in the yeah. race. Yeah. And they, I think the both teams have figured something out, though, I, I, with the Yankees. I really, I think, you know, both those teams have right-handers that throw 100 miles per hour, and the Yankees can't touch any of the bullpen guys. And I, yeah. I think it's been part of it. Yeah, they're both those managers have. Yeah, both those managers have completely figured those, yeah. completely figured the Yankees out. Both those managers have, Cash yeah. and Cora. And, that you know, it, yeah, it's been the issue. I, I it's definitely been the issue. The Yankees haven't adjusted to it. And yeah, that's why they're sitting here three games over 500. You know, you, you look at it too. They're only one game above 500 at home. They have, or two games. They're 23 and, or, or no, one game, 23 and 22 at home. The Yankees are usually like 70% at home. That's been yeah. another. They green at home and, and they're playing five over 500 baseball on the road. And usually that's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. And, just, and not this year. No. Because the way they played at home. Yeah, they, that it's definitely been the issue. The way they played at home in the division has absolutely cost them, and they're they're never like seventeen twenty four in the division at this point. It's you know, yeah, the Red Sox and Braves have figured them out, and it's you know, they they the Yankees just don't have not any answers. Not at all, not at all. And and now we go to the big series at home with the with the four game series coming out of the All Star break. The Yankees host the Red Sox coming out of the break. And let's it's be, and the funny thing is with this series is is the Red Sox have announced all their starters for all four of their games, and the Yankees haven't announced any of their starters. I mean, the Sox they got Eduardo Rodriguez going tomorrow. They got uh, they got uh, Perez going. It's Perez going on Friday. They got uh, they got Ivaldi uh, going Saturday, and uh, for the Sunday night game they got Pavetta. So they've announced all their starters, and the Yankees haven't announced any of their starters. That just shows you. I mean, Aaron Boone. How, how, how do you? I mean, most teams don't have starters. Haven't announced starters, but the Red Sox, Cora's got them ready for this series. Aaron Boone, they're not ready for this. I, I feel like they're not ready for the series, and I don't trust this team at all. I think they lose three out of four. I really do. I think they finally get a win against the Red Sox, but I think they lose three out of four. 
Yeah, it's just odd, you know, especially coming off the all-star break, did not really kind of have this plan figured out yet, you know, um, it, which is a very scary thing at this moment because, yeah, um, it, it kind of just showed that. And I think, too, he just still has no idea what to do. Obviously, I think the plan was probably to have Cole go Thursday night, but obviously through 130 pitches, you can't have him go out there again Thursday night. You know, I yeah, he just I don't think he knows where to turn right now, and that, that's a huge issue. Look, I – you know, I hope the Yankees that just at least win once. I think the goal would get at least a split this weekend. Oh, you got to get a split. Win. You got to get a you split. Have. Come on, you have to get a split. Split. But with how bad they've been against the Red Sox, it's just I, you know, I just have no confidence that they can that they're only going to be able to get one game in the series. You know, oh, I know. Um, yeah, it's you know that's a, this team better come out and, and play with some fire. You know, like I just we haven't really seen it, and you know because this is the weekend too for the Sox, so you could really bury the Yankees and just. Put them away for good, and we really haven't seen the Yankees kind of bounce back from adversity at all this year. And I, they they have to prove it. This you know they got to show some life this weekend. They have to play like you know. Look, I know like Boone said his season was third season on the line three weeks ago. They played a bit better. They kind of you know obviously Sunday they kind of blew it, but they better play like their season on the line this weekend. They 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 you know they better play like it. And and if not, then again it's just. Another week where you hope and pray that Boone gets fired, but yeah, again, I mean, no answers are probably going to yeah, major any answer about it. Yeah, major changes have to happen if they don't. If they come out, if it team misses the playoffs, obviously major changes have to happen. Absolutely, I, I really do think you have to retool kind of this lineup. I, you know, I again, you got to get some lefty. You got to be able to get a left-handed power hitter up here. You got to be able to get some contact guys. I would hope they kind of retool it the, any possible way they can, but yeah, they, it. It's unacceptable for this team to make the playoffs. You're the second highest payroll in the Major League Baseball, and you can't make the playoffs. And an American lead that down this year. You know, there's no excuse I mean, not to make the playoffs. I mean, yeah, there's no excuse not to make the playoffs. I think the American League's a little better than people think, though. The Astros are better than people thought after losing Springer. The Red Sox are better than people thought. Uh, the A's are, I think, are a little bit better than people thought. So the American League's a little bit better, but still, there is no excuse not to make the playoffs, knowing what the expectations were for this team at the beginning of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I know because look, the Mariners are five games over. You know, the Mariners are three and a half out of being the play, you know playoffs. Nobody thought that. Yeah, so yeah, it's been better than we we thought it was expected. But it, you know, everybody going in was like, you know, Yankees are in hands down, and we, you know, they're not even. Uh, you know, obviously that's not happened, and you know, it, it's yeah, it's been disappointing this team, and yeah, it's. Definitely kind of been better. I guess we should have known the Astros were, were going to, you know, that lineup is good if they cheat or not. But, yeah, you know, look, they got to uh, play play with some fire this weekend because you're four and a half out of the wild card. And, at, at, you know, which – but you have five years you, – you got like four teams to climb here. So, you got to start now. You, you really do. You got to start this weekend. Yeah, it's it's got to start now. It's got to start now because you know don't worry about the division because you got a very slim shot of winning the division. Got to worry about the wild card. You got to worry about getting in the tournament now because I mean, winning the division, you can't worry about that. Just got you just got to get in the tournament. But the way things have gone, I think they're getting in the tournament. And and, and on the Red Sox side, they got to bury the Yankees and and you know keep pace with and, and keep their lead with the Rays and then you know keep pace with the White Sox and the Astros to try to get home field advantage. Uh, in, in the postseason, because remember the last two times the Red Sox have had home field advantage throughout the playoffs, they've won the World Series. So, two th- two things. Two, uh, one thing. One, the one thing with the Yankees is, is uh, you know, try to get that second wild card for the Red Sox. It's to uh, keep the lead in the division and try to and and try to have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Fenway is a one of the toughest ballparks to play in. Um, they're usually really good playing at Fenway, and, and yeah, you know, you don't want to go to Houston. You don't want to go to that place. You know, you don't really want to go to Chicago. Yeah, you want to be able to have home field advantage throughout the playoffs because, yeah, you don't really either want to match up with Houston or Chicago in the first in the first in the um, in the division series. You, you know, that's it's a tough matchup. Obviously, it'd be tough whoever you get in the wild card, but you rather stay away from the Astros in that first round. So. Yeah, getting home field advantage uh, gonna be very important for him and trying to hold off the Tampa Bay Rays. We've been playing a bit better now since uh last one's injury. They're starting to get it get it going a bit. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll see what happens there in the AL East. It should be interesting in the second half of the year. But we got we're gonna stay in, in, in on the East Coast in the National League and uh, a huge injury with the Atlanta Braves on Saturday as Ronald Acuna Jr. tore his ACL. The Braves were playing a little bit better. They were in second place in the division. They were in, in, I think, in second on Saturday. Now they're back to third place. They were at forty-four and forty-four at five hundred. Now, now they're forty-four and forty-five. And the big question is with Ronald Acuna. We've seen the season he's had. I mean, twenty-four home runs, fifty-two RBIs, and he would have more RBIs if he wasn't hitting behind a pitcher and a number eight hitter. So yeah, he would have. More, he's one of the top ten players in the game. He's a phenomenal player. And and uh, right now, in my opinion, I don't think the Braves win the NL East. And I wrote an article about this because I, I don't love. They're not going to get Mike Soroka back as a starter, so their rotation is not great. Uh, their bullpen, really outside of their closer Will Smith, has really struggled. They're like twentieth. Uh, they're in the twenties in bullpen ERA, and their lineup is twelfth in runs scored with Acuna Junior. Because Freeman's had. He not only, I know he started the All Star game. He's kind of having a little bit of a down year. Albies is having a good year, not a great year. And then they had the issues with Mark. They've had the issues with Marcelo Zuna this year. So right now, I don't think the Braves. I, I mean, they, they have they, their World Series chances are over. But I don't think they win the NL East. I think this team misses the playoffs without Acuna. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, yeah, it's it's been tough for the Braves. Obviously, they're hoping Sirocco's can get back. You know, um, I think it was like June. At you know, before before the uh, re-injury. So. Yeah, it's been tough. The bullpen has not been great. The lineup's kind of underperformed. And, yeah, Cooney Jr. is such a bright spot on that team, and he's one of the stars. I give him a lot of credit for actually – he was actually out there the All-Star, you know, All-Star week, weekend last – you know, the other the other day. So, actually 48 hours tearing your ACL. So, I, I give him a lot of props for that. But, yeah, it seems just, you know, without him, he's kind of that that starter for this lineup, obviously being that leader spot. They're, it's definitely their worst series side is definitely over. That was my pick, and it's just yeah, uh, not did not turn into a very good pick. I know they're only four back of the division, but still, it just I just I don't see I don't see why the Braves here would end up you know trying to um, be contenders here in the playoffs. I you know I don't see them making any big moves here or anything like I you know I think they probably say Pat and they you know may get to like eighty wins, but that's probably about all they're gonna do. It's I was unfortunate to lose a big star like Acuna Jr. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, you know, been a uh, tough year for the Braves. If the Braves were in the NL West, they definitely wouldn't make moves because their season would be over. There's no way they would be able to, you know, leapfrog the Padres, the Dodgers, and the Giants. But the division they're in, you really, it's hard to trust any of these teams. The Phillies are an average team. I mean, they, they don't, they're, they're, Zach Wheeler's had a good year, but Noel's not had a great year. Their offense has been hot and cold. Their bullpen has been, hasn't been good. So they're an average team. The Mets, I mean, they've had a really good, their rotation's been really good, but their offense hasn't been that good. But I do feel like the Mets do win this division because eventually I think their offense will do enough for them to win the division and they're probably get, and then they could get Carrasco and Syndergaard back. So I do think that the Mets do win this division, but where, with where the Braves are, the Braves may still feel at 
only with them being only four games out of the NL East, that they still have a chance. So they may do. They may be still be buyers at the trade deadline, even without Acuna Jr. Yeah, I, I could see. I think they'd be, you know, five. You know, I could see them be buyers. I don't think they'd go out and go any big star or anything like to kind of give up the farm for this season. Uh, you know, because I know they have like Drew Waters, who's one of the top prospects. I believe they have another outfielder too. Like again, maybe those two guys can come up here and light a spark and get this team going a bit. I know the Phillies, they just finished. They had the toughest um, or the toughest schedule going in, you know, um, the first 88 games or whatever. Now they have the easiest. So maybe the Phillies kind of make a run here. That's a good point there. That's a good point. You know, I've been kind of underestimating the Phillies a little bit. I think, you know, with their with their offense, with Real Muto, with Harper, with Hoskins, they do have a – yeah, they, they with the schedule softening up a little bit. And, and Nola might pitch better. I think if Nola yeah. pitches a little bit better, I think – I think yes, I do think that the Phillies could very easily win the division. Yeah, I, I think the Phillies could make a run at this thing because who knows what's going on with the Mets. You know, the Mets you, – yeah, you think their offense wakes up. You get, I think Syndergaard's – I think they're thinking closer to September. Carrasco – I think throwing off a mound, so maybe in another month or so, maybe he's close to when Syndergaard comes back. That would be a nice addition. Obviously, the Nationals now without Jorber probably pretty much toast. So, yeah, I could see the Braves making a small move or two. I, you know, be interested if they bring up Waters and I, I forget the other kid's name that they have down there. Um, but, you know, they're both outfield. You would think maybe they get a shot here. Maybe they try to like a spark. I could see with how bad, yeah, the Annalise has been. Yeah, I could see them. Still winning this thing, but and buying a piece or two, but I don't think they go all in on the season. No, no, no. I I think they might, but I could I could see them doing it, and I could see them not doing it just because of I could see them doing it because of the division they're in, but I could see them not doing it because I think they feel without Acuna Junior, they might they probably don't have a chance of winning at all. Just like I said in my article this week. But we got to we'll wrap up we'll wrap up our baseball talk talking about some midseason awards. We'll obviously we'll we'll start with uh we'll start with we'll do, we're just going to do Cy Young and uh and MVP. We'll start with Cy Young and in the American League, I'm going with Lance Lynn. The guy's been phenomenal and he's a big reason why the White Sox. Yes, I'm standing corrected. The White Sox actually have the best record in the American League, not the Red Sox and Astros due to percentage points. The White Sox have the best record in the AL. So I've been uh that was my bad earlier in the show saying that the Red Sox and Astros were tied for it. The White Sox have the best record in the American League. And the biggest reason is because of the way Lance Lynn's pitch is under ERA's under two. He's nine and three. He's pitched phenomenal. Who would have thought three years ago when he was with the Yankees that Lance Lynn would be a, a contender for the Cy Young? No, I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. And they, they could have signed probably Lance Lindo to your contract and said they want Jay Happ. And again, Lance Lynn would have, would be a nice piece of this team. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I got Lance Lynn too in my signing. He's been great. He's come out of nowhere. Um, he's holding batters under 200. Um, you know, he's been using more of the fastball this year. And he's been great. And that rotation has been good. You know, um, like I know Giolito's starting to pitch better, but he's here still a four. Like, you know, without him and Randon, you know, who knows what this White Sox, you know, this where this White Sox team could be. You know, they could kind of – they probably would not be – would not have the best record right now in the American League without If Giolito and Keuchel start pitching better, watch yeah. out for that rotation. They get Eloy Jimenez back, and they got they got a manager with a ton of experience. And they got – this is it's another it's another example of how we got to stop it with the, the whole analytics nonsense. Yes. Tony La Russa hasn't managed in 10 years, and he could win another World Series. The last time he managed, the Cardinals won a World Series in 2011. He could win a World Series in 2021, being out of the dugout for 10 years. So let's stop with this analytics nonsense. Hey, this is the, and you look at Dusty Baker. 
I mean, he, he, I mean, he get, he gets back in the dugout with an ad with the, with the Astros gets him to the ALCS. And that's yeah, the two of the three teams with the best records in baseball and managers that are over 70 years old. So we got to stop at the analytics with the, with this analytics stuff. We got to stop with that. Uh, and that's why, as we'll say, we'll always say as Yankee fans, Aaron Boone was a terrible hire. No, bad, no, I won't say terrible, bad hire for the Yankees. So, yeah, so, yeah, so look at, yeah, look at, look at the two best managers, two of the best teams in the American League have managers over 70 years old. So it's, it's not all about analytics. Uh, that, that's my point there. Back to, back to the awards. We'll look at NL Cy Young, and this one's completely obvious. Jacob DeGrom, the guy is the best pitcher in baseball. I don't care what Joe says about, oh, he doesn't face a, 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 a real hitter, a, a real number nine hitter. The guy is the best pitcher in baseball. He's phenomenal. ERA under one. The guy's amazing. Can we stop hating on the guy? The guy is outstanding. He's going to win another Cy Young this year. Yeah, I, obviously it's Jacob DeGrom. You know, for a while, too, he had more RBIs and he gave it up run score, which is – outstanding and he's a 340 hitter right now so he's been great and it, you know just you know again in this day and age with all the power and the launch angles i know there's a ton of strikeouts but still to have an under one era nowadays it, it just it's insane it really is um there's just not there's just not you know there's not much to say about it, it, it he's obviously the the cy young award winner he's he's been outstanding Absolutely, absolutely. For uh, for AL MVP, uh, I know. I mean, Vlad Guerrero is very deserving. He's well deserving of the award. But my AL MVP is definitely Shohei Otani because if you look at the Angels, Anthony Rendon has been a complete disappointment since he's been there. Mike Trout's been on the DL. Otani, what he's done on the mound and what he's done at the plate, he has carried this Angels team. They are now over five hundred. When was the last time the Angels? Have been over 500. The Angels are over 500, so he's making the difference. He's, he's he's making the difference in games for this Angels team. What he's done on the mound, what he's done at the plate. I am going with Shohei Otani right now as my midseason uh, AL MVP. It was close. I went with Vlad Guerrero. Um, again, he's a, a, in like every hitting cat. It's great what Shohei Otani is doing. Look, we've never seen something like this, you know, since Babe Ruth. It's incredible what we're seeing. You know, there's no doubt. I'm not trying to get away from from him, but. Again, you look at like every hitting category, pretty much besides home runs. It Vlad Vlad's leading it. You know, his on base is over there. It's over a thousand, or his OPS is over a thousand. You know, again, twenty of his twenty-eight home runs too have been opposite fielder, dead center. Like he's been great at using all sides of the field. His average is three thirty-two. You know, obviously, he won the uh, All Star Game MVP last night. He's twenty-two years old. Um, he's such a um, great pace right now for the sport of baseball. I think it's been Vlad Guerrero. I know the the Blue Jays are three games over five hundred. I know they're kind of hoping for more, but I know they're I mean, it's, patient. It's, it's, it's not. It's his not his fault that the team doesn't have a closer. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah, I know it's not, and, and he's you know I don't know you know I know this is a great lineup, but again, this team's you know again he I don't you know he, they've been you know um they they are even without him I, I think you know this team would really struggle. And he only strikes out about 19% of the time, and the league average 25%. So in this day and age, too, he's done a good job putting the ball in play. Absolutely, absolutely. And we know who the NL MVP is, and that's Fernando Tatis Jr. I mean, this guy has been outstanding. And uh, guys like guys like uh, Eric Hosmer, they've had down years. Machado, he hasn't had as good of a year as he had in the, in the 60-game shortened season. But Tatis Jr., I mean, he's just been ridiculous. Twenty-eight, I think, twenty-eight home runs, sixty RBIs. He's missed about like fifteen games. He's just ridiculous. This guy, this guy, right now, 
he probably is the best player in the game because of all he can do. He's a five-tool player. He's got speed. He's got power. He's good defensively. He's, I think he's right now he's the best player in, in baseball. Absolutely. You know, he's got 20 stolen bases too. He could really be in the 40 for 40 club, which would be the first since yeah. 06. Soriano in 06. <laughs> That's crazy. We have not had a 40 yeah. for 40 guys in Soriano in 06. That shows you how much the stolen base is a lost start in the game. Yeah. Yeah. So he's been great. He's got 20 right now. He's got about, you know, what, 80 games left, 85 games left to do it. It's, it's very possible. Yeah. I, I, he's definitely right there. Um, you know, He's obviously, yeah, he's a 5 tool player. He's unbelievable. And, yeah, he's had, like, two IL stints, and he still has 28 home runs. He's been great. And, yeah, the Padres lineup's kind of, you know, been very up and down. Yeah, but Chai's kind of getting going and all that. But he's been great. And, yeah, he he's he is so fun to watch. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. One, probably my probably my favorite non-Yankee player and my, my favorite player to watch in the game right now is, is, uh, is, is Fernando Tatis Jr., yeah, absolutely. It's either him or, or Vlad, but he does more than Vlad, so I probably tip it, you know, give it to uh, Tatis, but it, but it's close. He, he's unbelievable. Absolutely, absolutely. So we're going to talk about our most surprising and most disappointing teams, and I would say for me, my most surprising team is the San Francisco Giants. The factor in first place over the Padres and the Dodgers is pretty amazing. The way Gosman has pitched has been phenomenal. He should, if it wasn't for DeGrom, he'd probably be the NL Cy Young this year. Brandon Crawford and Buster Posey have had really good years. So for me, the most surprising team is the Giants. And obviously, I think we all know who the most disappointing team is this year. That's the Yankees. And we've talked about them enough on, enough on this show today. Yeah, and Giants are there for me. I'll, I'll talk about the Red Sox, as you said, the Giants. The Red Sox, everyone thought they are probably going to be the fourth best team in the AL East. And they have one of the best records in the American League right now. Um, you know, Obviously, we knew with the big three of Martinez, Bogarts, and Devers. But it's been like even Kike Hernandez has gotten hot. Helena Renfro has gotten hot. Verdugo's been playing well. He was probably a borderline. Maybe could have gotten the All Star team. You know, even Vasquez has you know had some big hits. Even like a Royal Mar- Marwin Gonzalez, like guys that they've kind of guys that you know one year contracts. That, you know, have kind of been platoon guys. They they come up in big spots and have done well. So yeah, all around the Red Sox, and then you know I'll, I'll as you said the Yankees. I'll go Braves. You know, I think it's it's been injuries, but in this in National League East still with how bad it's been, I, I think the Braves, it's just the lineup has just struggled. I know Freeman's starting to hit the ball a little bit better. Obviously, the problems of Zuna is not good, and that hasn't helped things because he was great last year. Losing Acuna now is hurt. I think losing to Travis Darno at catcher spot has really hurt because he's, he's usually has, you know, held his weight. Um, So I think it's kind of – it's been the, the Braves. It's really kind of been that team that – um, I, I thought they'd win 90, 95 games this year. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, they haven't been able to get Soroka back. Their bullpen hasn't been that good. And they're, and they've had guys just like the Yankees guys in their lineup that have underachieved, but we got to move over and talk some NFL and the, uh, the, the, the deadline for franchise players to get long-term deals is Thursday. But before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest media. The Seattle management is going to give you their time of day. What makes you think that Jerry Jones is going to listen to you? Sometimes they're blowing teams out by overtime. Come on now. When they're on, they're on. Again, I'm going to need you to write LeBron a letter, send it to him, and say, LeBron, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to hop off your bandwagon. Don't do that.
The Giants are running New York like the times as Danny is dropping all sorts of dimes. Saquon's thighs are ruining defenses' lives and Leonard Williams making opposing QBs feel him. Receivers think it's scary to line up across James Bradbury and the Giants have a bright future led by coach, judge, jury, and executioner. Tune in to Drawing About the G-Men every Wednesday at 6, live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. That is John about the G-Men every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. Training camp open in two weeks, so make sure you check out John about the G-Men with, uh, with Jace, uh, Sean, Joe, and uh, and uh, Zay. So make sure you check out that John about the G-Men. I'm excited for this giant season. Should be, should be a big year for the Giants. But we got to get to the French, the deadline for players who signed franchise tags in March to come up with long-term deals. And we'll start with uh, Allen Robinson of the Chicago Bears. And from what I've been reading, it looks like he, they're not going to come up with a long-term deal for him. It looks like that he that he is going to play on the franchise tag for the uh, 2021 season. So really a lot of pressure on Justin Fields to build that connection with him because if if he feels if they don't build that connection, there's a good there's a good chance Allen Robinson will be gone after 2021. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. They, you know, they, Justin Fields probably the only hope that the Bears have to keep an Allen Robinson long term. You know, I'm not surprised that it's not, that they haven't become that they haven't came to a long term deal. It seems like the last year and a half that Allen Robinson's kind of wanting to get traded out of there. So no shock there. But yeah, you're right. Justin Fields is kind of the only chance left they got to keep him. Absolutely. Another receiver, uh, Chris Godwin. This is a guy, there might be a chance they might get a deal done with him. It's just pretty amazing because the Bucks got all these guys signed. Levante David, they got Shaq Barrett signed. They franchised uh, Chris Godwin. All the all these free agents, we, which we didn't think, you know, these thought a couple they would let walk, but they've been able to stay. They were able to sign all, pretty much all, either to franchise or sign all their free agents. Shows you the power of Tom Brady. Shows you how much guys want to play with Tom Brady. And there's still a chance that Chris Godwin might sign a contract to play with the Buccaneers, it's probably going to be a team-friendly deal. So, and and you know, to, to be on the, to be on this team with with the, to be on the best roster in the NFL. So we'll see what happens with Chris Godwin. But there is a chance he might sign with the Buccaneers, which is kind of surprising because you would think with you know all the guys the Bucks got signed in the offseason, you were thinking that Godwin was going to play for the franchise tag, but he might just play, take less money to play with the greatest of all time. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. It's it's crazy that they're going to be able to pretty much maybe probably keep everybody here and. Yeah, definitely what Tom Brady brings to a room is, yeah, you get to play with one of the best. Um, I'm hearing that he wants a God or um, Galladay money around 18 million. I don't, yeah. That's going to be hard. Heard. Yeah, that's, that's going to be hard. That it, it, That is. So we'll see if they get it done or not. But yeah, it sounds like they may be able to get a deal done here. Yeah, I mean, that would be crazy if they did. Imagine if they get yeah. a deal done. Imagine if they, you know, yeah. They lock him up for three to four years, and Brady will be playing. He'll <laughs> keep playing. Brady will just keep playing with if he with Evans yeah. and with Godwin, and he has a running game. He's a good offensive line. He's got a top defense. He's just going to keep playing till who knows when. He. It's funny when they said I'm going. I thought he was crazy when he said I'm going to play till I'm 45. But it looks like he's going to play even past yeah. 45. We're seeing what the Bucks are doing with all with all their guys with their roster right now. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> it's just crazy. <laughs> It's crazy this guy keep going, but look, yeah, I'm like the guy really hasn't gotten hit over the years. He's been protected. He's been on great teams. Yeah, you know, as he's no, he's, he's, he's no one to get rid of the ball. That's a big thing with Brady. Yeah, that 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 is really helped. He, he yeah, he just has that sixth sense of when to get rid of that football. That's obviously helped him, but it, it's insane. And uh, 
Patriots are still going to be uh, regretting that one for a year to come. Yeah, they better. Patriots better hope Mac Jones, the franchise quarterback, or it's going to haunt that. It's going to that's going to haunt them for years. But we'll get on to another guy in the NFC East, Brandon Sheriff. It looks like he's going to play for the franchise tag. One of the top guards in the league. You would think Washington. You know the fact they're not paying a quarterback. The fact they should really have a priority on uh, re-signing this guy. But and with their new with their new management, you would think you know they're trying to change the culture here. This is one of the best, but it is a guard. I know you know they didn't probably don't want to pay a ton of money for a guard. Uh, eventually they probably want to pay Terry McLaurin and they might want to pay, give Terry McLaurin big money. They probably want to give Montez Sweat and Chase Young big money. So this may not be the biggest priority, but still this is one of the top guards in the league and one of Washington's best offensive players. Absolutely. You know, uh, he is. Yeah. He's one of the best guards in the game. I know you kind of need that uh, position. I know right now they, it's Fitzpatrick as their quarterback. So I know they don't have like a young guy ready to go yet, but, it's only you want to keep around if you do get a young quarterback to have that guy stick around on the line, but it's kind of something, you know, um, you would think probably too, he's probably going to get around 20 money. You would think about 16 million. So. Yeah. Well, well, Jay's just put up a comment. Washington can't even name their team. How can they get a deal <laughs> made with any of their players? That's a funny one. That's a funny one. <laughs> That's a funny one. Yeah. It can't, yeah. It can't be, yeah. Yeah. It can't be, it can't be that hard to come up with a name. It really can't. Yeah. They say after they say by twenty twenty two they will. They didn't they say that a year ago though. They, I know, I know, I know. We were talking about that last year. Yeah, yeah. That's Washington for you, but yeah, you know. Again, yeah, you would think as you said in the beginning, you would think management want to change some things around and actually look like they they know someone about what they're doing, but they still look lost as they always do. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see, we'll see what happens there. But it looks like that he's going to play on the franchise tag for the second year in a row. You don't like guys playing on the free because you know if they can't, you know if at that at this point, pretty much if you can't come up with a deal next year, he's he's gone because you can't franchise him again because it's just you can't franchise a guy three years in a row. It's just way too much money. Twenty five million, it would be. I saw. So yeah, for a go, you forget it, forget Especially it with for a guard. A guard, guard twenty five million, forget it, forget it. Yeah, forget it. That's why I just I don't know why you just don't give him fifteen, sixteen million dollars now. But that's Washington's for you. And you're yeah, not paying. You, yeah, with when you're not paying a quarterback. Yeah, I. Yeah, that's why Washington's it's always in the bottom tier of the NFC East, and seems like they will. You know, hopefully, Ron, you know, Ron Rivera, you just can the good coach, but it's it's tough. If you're not going to pay anybody like a guy like like Sheriff. Yeah, exactly. Another head scratching move is is with the Jets not paying, uh, not paying, not giving Marcus May a long term deal. He's probably he's clearly one of the best players in your defense. Again, you're not paying a quarterback. You don't have to pay this court. You don't have to pay Zach Wilson for a while now. You're not going to have to pay Zach Wilson till till, till after his third year. So it's going to be in, you're not going to have to pay Zach Wilson until after the 2023 season. Why don't you give Marcus May a contract? This was the problem with Jamal Adams. They didn't want to pay Jamal Adams. You got to pay Marcus May. Marcus May had a pretty good year for you last year. This is another. Just bad move having him. Uh, they said Joe Douglas said this is a priority, but Marcus May wants more money. But you know, you learned last year what happened when you know you didn't want to pay a safety. Gase lost the locker room. So yeah. this is this is this is just a head scratch. Another, another head scratching move. The Jets have not paid uh, Marcus. They're not going to make Marcus May a long term deal. I think they should give him a long term deal. Yeah, just another just another franchise is it just. Clueless, just can never get out of their own way. I heard they were lowballing him too. He was not happy about that either. So it does not sound like uh, anything's gonna come anytime soon. And yeah, again, the, like right now the Jets are really only playing Mosley now, CJ Mosley, because they got rid of Bell. They're probably still paying some of that contract, but like they're not really. Yeah, they're not paying a you know Zach Wilson. They hope in three years they're gonna have to pay, but 
just pay him now. I know it's on a premium position, so it's not like you're going to have to give him $25 million. He probably doesn't want like 18, 19 like Jamal Adams did. So I, I, this, it's just the Jets. They, they don't ever pay anybody, and that's that's their issue. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny. You look at the organizations. You look at the Bucks. They're, uh, they're they want to pay Chris Godwin, even though they've signed a ton of guys. They didn't get rid of any. They have twenty two of their twenty two starters returning, and they're still they still are going to be are trying to pay Chris, Chris Godwin. And then look at uh, look at why another really good organization, the Saints. They've they've had a lot. They, they've had they had a, they had no cap straights. They were in cap jail this entire year. Yes, they they lost you know Rankins and uh, Sheldon Rankins and uh, and. Uh, Janoris Jenkins and Quan Alexander, but they end up paying Ryan Ramchak, one of the best guard, one of the best tackles in the league. And now they're not, they're not, they're not out on paying, uh, they're, they're not out on paying Marcus Williams, which is, which is huge because he's one of the better, he's one of the, he's one of the, he's one of the top safeties in the league. And their secondary with him and Marshawn Lattimore is going to be really good. There's a reason that, you know, the Bucks and Saints, even, even the Saints very easily could be a playoff team, even without Drew Brees. And the Bucks are the favorite to win the Super Bowl. Their organizations know what they're doing. Washington, the Jets, they don't. They don't know. They, they're not the organizations that the Bucks and the Saints are. You're absolutely right about that. You are, and you know, look, yeah. You look at all the top top ones that are in the playoffs each year and year out. They, you know, they usually keep their guys, and, and you know, they pay them. You know, you got to be able to. They figure out a way. They yeah. figure out a way. They restructure contracts and they figure out a way. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And the teams like Washington, New York, the Jets, they don't do that. They just, you know. They again. They think getting top five picks every year is going to fix that, and it just doesn't because they never pay anybody. And you know that's why guys want to get out of there as soon as possible. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. We'll wrap up with two tackles and one that needs to be paid, and one that should never should not get paid. And uh, Taylor Moten of the of the Panthers. I think personally, he was there. He was, he was there. He was the Panthers' best offensive lineman last year. You want to try to build some sort of an offensive line because you, you didn't re-sign Russell Okun. He's he's a free agent, so you you want to you want to. I, I think, in my opinion, here, I think the Panthers got to come up with a long-term deal for Taylor Moten. I mean, he had a, he graded out at a uh, over eighty according to Pro Football Focus. He's a pretty good right tackle. I would pay him. I mean, a reasonable amount of money, not 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 a ton of money, not over twenty million a year, but I would pay him a reasonable amount of money to stay with his team, especially if you want to give Sam Darnold protection, a quarterback that, that has missed a lot of games in his first three years of his NFL career. Absolutely. You know, yeah, he's probably, you know, I don't think the Saints did him every favor by paying up Ryan, uh, Ramshack $19 million a year. I don't think he more or uh, mine should get that. But again, it, you know, I, I think it's definitely somebody that they want it, that they need to keep. And yeah, they, again, you got to keep your quarterback safe and Sam Darnold. And because, yeah, he he's, has not been able to stay on the field. So yeah, I think Panthers um got to be able to go out and sign him. And uh, one more guy, Cam Robinson. I think it's a, the Jaguars are not going to come up with a long-term deal with him, and they shouldn't. He's been he's had an average to below-average NFL career. Uh, they, the, I think the only reason they franchised him is they wanted a placeholder at that tackle position because they don't want Trevor Lawrence to get destroyed next year. They want at least somewhat some protection for Trevor Lawrence. So I think that's why they gave him the franchise tag. Yeah, I'm with you there, absolutely, because they drafted um. Walker Little in the second round, the left tackle. So I would think you like you know, you're a Walker Little guy. I think you like him, right? Yeah, because I thought going into last year, um, he was going to be probably one of the offensive lines taken off the board in the first round. But um, you know, injuries have um, kind of have kind of derailed things for him. But yeah, I think he was one of the best tackles on the board last year coming out. So I like him. Yeah, you know, give him the year tier to develop um, and kind of have Robson there, a veteran, and 
yeah, Walker's probably going to take his spot, um, take the spot next year, is what yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. So we'll see what happens with the franchise tag, tag deadline. My prediction is four guys will play on the franchise tag: Robinson, Sheriff, May, and, and uh, both Robinsons, Allen Robinson, Cam Robinson, uh, Sheriff, and and Marcus May. And then there's three guys that have a chance to get a long term deal: uh, Godwin, Marcus Williams, and Taylor Moten. Yeah, I'm with you. I got Morton, um, Williams, and Chris Godwin getting the uh, three extensions, and the other guys not not being able to uh, get resigned. Yes, yes, yes. So we'll talk about a, a breaking talk about some breaking news from the NFL, and that's Richard Sherman, who was arrested for burglary and domestic violence. And right now, the way it's looking for Richard Sherman, I, I don't think he's playing this year. And you know how the NFL is with domestic violence; and it's it, it's it's not condoned. It shouldn't be condoned. And and I, I think Richard Sherman, I think he's done. His career might be over. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know if you saw this from Scheffner. He tweeted out like forty five minutes ago. Um, yes, that's what I was about to just. Um, Schefter's cop or Twitter tweet is quoted Washington State Police also are investigating Richard Sherman in co- connection to a hit and run and damage to State Department of Transportation property. State police say that at about 1 a.m. Pacific time last Pacific time, they received a report of a single car incident. A car struck a concrete barrier. Wow. So wow. that's from Schefter. So, you know, who um, knows? Probably not a good thing right now for. Uh, Richard Sherman and yeah, you know, um, yeah, he's not a, not, not, you know, not ideal for him right now. And obviously this is, yeah. Um, I know still a free agent and this is not going to help his cause of getting resigned. Not at all. Not at all. I think he's done. I I think it's over for him. I think his career is over. I mean, I mean, he had a great career, but this is just a huge mistake. His play has been falling off. His play fell off. He got hurt last year. His play's kind of fallen off a little bit. And I, I think I think it's I think it's over for him. I think it's the end of his career. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is. And you know, um, he's been a great corner, but yeah, the last few years injuries. I know he only played four or five games last year, so he's getting up there in age. And I always remember uh, when he went after Skip Bayless in the TV interview. That's one of the funniest interviews I think I've ever seen. Yeah, 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 yeah. But. But at this point, it's just yeah. it's over for him. It's, it's it's for me. It's over for Richard. It's it's over for Richard Sherman after what happened last night. Absolutely, I'm with you. I yeah, I, I think that wrapped up his career, unfortunately, because he's been one of the better corners uh, last few years. Yeah, but you just can't make a mistake like yeah, that and, and 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 expect to be back on the field, Absolutely. especially this year. And I think forever. I think it's I, I'm 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 I'm, I'm, I'm for me, his career is over. But we got to wrap up the show, and this is Hector's request. Hector sent me a message uh, last week and wanted me to talk about. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna talk about the Stanley Cup Finals because they ended on Wednesday. But Hector wants wants us to talk about it, so we're going to Lightning win back to back Stanley Cups. Obviously, that's what we thought was gonna happen. Uh, but the big story is is this Pat Maroon guy, three straight Stanley Cups, and I, I'm not the biggest hockey fan. Is this, has this ever happened in the NHL? A guy winning three straight Stanley Cups. This is the third time. The first one since 1964. I think the name was wow. Ed um, Lump, Lumpsky, something like that. I think he was two years with Toronto and then the third year with Chicago. With the oh, Blackhawks. wow. Wow, wow. So, 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 so pretty impressive. Absolutely. You know, um, 2019, he signed with his hometown team, St. Louis, wanted to bring home the cup, and then goes to Tampa Bay, a team that he wanted their veteran presence of, you know, he'd been in the winning locker room, obviously – Tampa Bay got the upset by Columbus the first round of 2019. They wanted that veteran who knew how to win a cup, and they brought him in, and he's been great. Look, and he may not be the guy that 
it's gonna, you know, he's not the Kucherov, he's not the Kalorn, he's not gonna put up, you know, three, you know, I think he only had four or five points in the playoffs, but he just brings a presence in that locker room. I think Ryan McDonough said he just has a special savviness and confidence to him when he walks into a locker room. And it just and it, you know, um affects the whole locker room in a positive way. So yeah, you know, look, it's something rare any sport to win three consecutive cups. Um or, or any championship, so it's a rare thing. And um, I, I think he's got one more year left on his contract, but I think he, they're going to be able to protect him. So he may be going to Seattle in the expansion draft next week. So that would be a very nice piece for Seattle to bring in a winner like that to a brand new organization. So we'll see if they can kind of have a run like Vegas did. That'd be an important guy to have in your locker room. Absolutely, absolutely. And one one final question. Can the Lightning be a dynasty? I think we asked this, I asked this last week. Can the Lightning be a dynasty with their second? They got their second straight cup last Wednesday. Can they? Can they become a dynasty? I think so. They're eighteen over million the cap right now, so they're going to have to do some maneuvering right now. I don't think they have any big contracts that they got to get done now. But I, I think it's a team at their core. Vasilevsky is just only twenty years old. He still has got a long way to go. Again, McDonough Hedman team that they've been around forever. They, they were good again, you know, Kucherov. They got him to play one regular season game, and he comes out and he puts up 30 points in the playoffs, which is unbelievable. And I think he was playing hurt, too. I think he had a fractured rib, and he was, you know, still out there going. So, yeah, I, I think Tampa um, – obviously, I think um, Hector was saying it last week about Colorado, I forgot about, which they can be, too. They, they're going to be a challenger, but I think Landeskog, their captain right now, seems like they're far apart in a deal, so they could lose him, so – I mean, Colorado could give them, but he, Colorado could be losing a big piece. So, yeah, I think Tampa right now, um, they, they definitely can be. I know they finished certain division last year, but there were some injuries. And, you know, uh, but I think they go back to normal division next year. And I, I think they're them and the Bruins are probably going to be the one-two in that uh, division next year. We'll see what happens there. But that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R&J. For Jay Stark Garcia, who did a great job, I'm Justin D'Onofrio. We'll be back next week either previewing Game 7 or recapping the NBA Finals, uh, 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 talking Sox and Yanks, and any NFL news that comes our way. Have a great weekend, everyone. It's off the Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the dagger? Oh! High fly ball, right field. Grossman back, track, wall. See ya! Into the second deck. A grand slam the other way for Aaron Judge. And the Yankees are pouring it on. For the latest news throughout the sports world, tune in to Sports Talk with R&J every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Hello, my name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Week, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.